That's, that, that interpretation is the message, by the way, a little bit different interpretation than we usually hear when we hear that verse. We've heard that verse probably so many times before, as we have many verses from the New Testament and Romans, but it's, I think the message version is helpful again today. It really brings alive what um, Paul is really saying in this particular, um, this particular letter that he's written to the, to the Roman church. So... It's really interesting to be here on the first um, day um, of the new year in um, terms of church, so it's, it's really an interesting time. And in the new year, I, I normally we, we look and we um, often, most of us, we see what changes we can make, what things we can do. Some of us make resolutions and things that we do differently in the year ahead. But how many of those things do we really remember in a year's time? How many of those things will we still be on track with? And how many things will we even remember that we've said we're going to do in the new year? And I wonder how many of those changes or promises are really realistic when we think about how we really live our lives. And sometimes we, we don't get around to those things at all and we completely miss um, the point and we don't pay attention to things going on around us and other things that are happening in our lives as well. I was um, talking with someone who I really respect um, recently, uh, uh, a bit of a mentor to me, and he was talking about this analogy of doors opening, doors closing, or in some cases windows opening, windows of opportunity and windows closing. And I thought it was a good one, and I I remembered the very famous, um, often misquoted, um, saying that um, the great um, Helen Keller um, said. And Helen Keller, if you don't know, was a great, um, was someone who was a teacher, a great teacher and lecturer. She was um, blind as well as deaf, so lots of adversity. But she overcame that and she became such a great, a great teacher and a great um, social reformist. But she also said a lot of very wise sayings, and this one's attributed to her, and I, and I really think it kind of um, is a good one to look at in, in the new year when we're looking at um, at one of the readings by Paul as well. So, and, and this is the actual quote as opposed to the misquotations we often hear. When one door of happiness closes, another one opens. But often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has been opened for us. And I think that's very true. I think sometimes we just miss those opportunities. We don't see the things that God or the Holy Spirit has really directing us towards as well as, as modern-day disciples. But note the second part of this. The second part is really the important part, that we often miss those opportunities. Um, and that's often, that often bit doesn't even get quoted sometimes. It's only the first bit about a door opening or closing. So I, I think this is really, really a great, a great saying or a great quote of hers. Um, but, of course, it came out of her own faith and her own beliefs as well. And sometimes it's not only that we don't, we don't see the doors, sometimes we, don't, sometimes we see them, but we don't want to go through them. We, we feel there's a, there's a fear or there's a lack of faith or even an apathy. We don't really want to go through these doors. I remember when I was growing up, there was a certain room, a certain door in my house, and it was a door to a room we called the spare room. Now, the spare room was really the dreaded spare room, was really a room where might be a junk, you might describe it as a junk room, but it was really a room where there was a lot of memories, there was a lot of old things, there was toys, 
And there was things that my parents hadn't got around to throwing out or things that they just didn't know what to do with anymore. Central room that my brother and I, well, sometimes we wanted to go through that door, but we were a bit afraid um, because we didn't know what the consequences would be. Um, and we were kind of warned not to go to the spare room. So there's a temptation was there, but um, we might have had a look a couple of times, I think. Likewise, I had an aunt and uncle who had a room in their house and it was, and the door was open, it was a beautiful room, but, and the furniture looked untouched. It looked completely like no one had ever used it. And I'm still not sure what that was about, but the room was not inviting. It was not a door you really wanted to go through because it just looked like it wasn't used and it wasn't loved, that room. And it, it looked like a bit of a museum and I still don't really know what that was about, but no, I guess they were saving and protecting the room. I don't know what for. But anyway, and the spirit, this is, this is where we really look at it from a Christian perspective, really. The spirit often guides and works through us, even, even when we're not ready. And, with, and he kind of offers us these doors to go through. He offers us these great opportunities in life to develop new gifts, to help us in the service of God and give us skills and give us things that are going to improve our lives and, again, help us in the service of God. And I feel lately I've been um, challenged on some of these doors in my own life. But as always, the Spirit leads the way He wants to. It's not often the way we want to go. It's not often the way that we would see as the most sensible or even the best way to go. But there's often new potential and new hope as we look at some of the things that God, through his spirit, wants to do in our lives, some of the opportunities that he wants to give us. But that's not to say it's not without challenge and suffering. Sometimes to do new things, to go through new experiences, will cause us some stress, some, some pain, or even suffering, and even loss, as we have to close, or the spirit wants to close some of those doors that we've already been through. And is of no longer use of use in this purpose to serve God. Now I wonder what, what else I can say about the book of Romans. It's really one of those books that's been talked about, preached on, theologized for so many years. It's, but it is such a powerful book, it really is. And there was a lot of us when I was in um, biblical college who wouldn't even touch this book because we felt the theology of it was um, a bit difficult and we thought we might fail if we actually <laughs> tried to... Um, analyse it too much. But I've referred to it before, I've, I've spoken on it before, and you can, you can refer to this as, as Paul's major composition, his symphony, his masterpiece, um, his grand sweeping statement of faith and life in the spirit, his life's work or his, or his PhD, you can refer to it as all sorts of things. But it's the moment at which the old, I believe, the New Testament where the post-gospel's life and the new communities, new Christian communities, living under God, living under the Spirit, really all come together in this letter as Paul writes to this community in Rome. And I mentioned before, I think it's a really inclusive letter because it really does have that sense from the beginning that it's about unity and including everybody in this new life with God. And um, that's, of course, demonstrated by many verses, but towards the end he talks about sending his regards with the female Deacon Phoebe. And that in itself is an amazing thing in the time, in such a patriarchal age, because the person who delivered a letter is usually the person who read it publicly in those days. So 
That's amazing to think about it that way. It's a story of a spiritual family like our own, trying in new ways to be Jesus-centred and understand God at work through the transforming power of the Spirit in the community. So it's aimed at a diverse community, Roman, Greek and other non-Jewish disciples as well. Um, very diverse community. So it, and it's essential to try and grasp the overarching theme of unity that Paul's giving here and salvation through Jesus Christ. Um, God had tried it many times, but this is the, this is the point at which through Jesus at which salvation has come and now we have to live according to that life. Now the spirit has been left behind to guide us through life. Salvation has come in order to further the gospel and the good news of, of God's grace. And that's why we in Churches of Christ we unashamedly preach both Jesus crucified and Jesus risen as well. It's so important to see it in that light. And the verse itself in Romans, I, I, I like this message translation because it kind of brings to light, I think, really what Paul's really trying to say. And it was written by Eugene Peterson, who was a fantastic um, uh, pastoral theologian, really. Um, so really, in verse, verse 1 to 2, Paul begins um, by describing the act of justification as, as being made really at the peace of, of God or reconciling with God. That's really what the justification um, and uh, the justification through faith is really all about. It's really about that reconciling back with God. And that's been done through Jesus and that's, that's amazing when you think about it. In verse 2, we have grace because of this faith. Right where we stand, the message says. And the NIV says we can boast or be outwardly happy because of this, because of this grace. And I love this bit about, in the message, about God throwing open doors. Again, it's about doors. When we throw open doors, and God throws open doors and welcomes us in, into these great wide open spaces in which we can see all of God's grace and glory, and we're standing and we're shouting praise. Isn't, isn't that such a great picture? I love it. It's clearly a place of great hope. Again, we go back to Keller's thoughts on that, the doors and happiness and opportunity that comes through this hope that we've been given in God's spirit. And Paul goes on to say that there'll be great glory in suffering. Now, I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound too good to me. I, I just, not really something we want to hear, really, especially on a Sunday morning um, when we're at church and that, um, but... And no one really likes to suffer, do we? We hear suffering and we go, oh, great. But really, really, it's, it's, it's verse 4 where he really goes on to explain that. That's really the key. Um, that suffering, struggle or trouble produces perseverance, produces endurance in us. And that in turn produces a kind of virtue or character, the kind of character we need to continue to serve God. Now, in the ancient world... Perseverance, oh, just get that one up, Matt. Perseverance, this is sort of what it really sort of means. Um, it's, um, this is in the ancient Greek. The action of endurance, steadfast, patient, waiting for what's, what is expected. So it's a, it's, it's a kind of waiting and it's kind of working through that. And, and you know, there's a, there's a pain in that and a difficulty, but we're really moving. And sometimes it um, has been described as a cheerful endurance at times. So it's even though we were going through suffering, we know at the end 
there'll be something important and something that God wants to do in our lives. So, and, go to, and it's, I like this, this, another one of my favourite quotes is from C.S. Lewis, so we'll just have a quick look at that one. Yeah. And I think it's true, what better things there are ahead. Even in this life on earth, if we have hope and we follow Jesus, there's such better things ahead. But it's hard to see when we're going through struggle sometimes. And C.S. Lewis was talking to a friend who was supposedly dying at the time that he wrote this letter to her. Um, but the irony is she would go on to live another 12 years and C.S. Lewis would die himself within six months. So it's powerful in that sense too when you think of where it came from. Now we know the hope, hope really, oh, let's, let's, look, at, let's look at the ancient meaning of, meaning of hope because I think, I think that's important. Um, get the slide up. So, so when we think of hope, it's really one of the most powerful forces we know with love as well, love and faith. They're the three most powerful kind of virtues and um, gifts that we have, according to Paul. But hope is one of the powerful things. It's amazing what it can do in people's lives, how it can fuel people, how it can give people charge and power to keep going. But lack of it, I've seen this as a counsellor many, many times with my clients, lack of hope is often what stifles and holds people back and stops them from living a full and important life and a life that is really the best that they can be. So the ancient meaning is really different to what we think about it because when we think about hope, we often think about it as being um, something that's, that's um, a little maybe going to happen. Maybe 50% we'll just hope and we'll see and more wishful thinking in a, in a general way, and no really assured outcome. But the ancient meaning of hope, and particularly the meaning Paul's tapping into here, the ancient Greek, is really a sense of expectation or surety or assuredness that, this, that something is gonna happen. And there's, there's an urge to it, and an alert, as the, as the message says, that hope will really, really bring something into our lives and that God really wants to do something. So it's, it's more of a sense of actually something is going to happen rather than just, as we say, hoping for the best and we kind of think maybe it'll happen and um, you know what will be will be and um, we don't always realise that when people really meant hope in the old, the old times, they were really talking about something that they really were expecting to happen. And um, really, I think... I love this bit in the message that really says we can't round up enough containers to really contain what God wants to give to us through the Spirit. We really can't. If we had all the containers in the world, we would not contain God's love, God's hope, God's the faith in God that he wants to, and also that he has in us to continue to live in this world. So God leaves behind the Holy Spirit to give us this guide through whatever experiences we have in life. But I love that bit, wait, there's more. And it's really always more with God. There's always more that we can find, more that we can, we can, we can, we can experience with God. And Jesus, once again, enters into history. He just comes in when we're least expecting it. But he comes in. And when we're not ready, and we're not ready, the NIV says ungodly, or un, we're unready, we're not, we're not ready for God at that stage. We're not 
the people we should be, we're not set right with God in, in, in the way in which, through Jesus, through Jesus we are, even though we're not in that state when Jesus came into the world. And it's, it's the same in our lives now. Often we're not ready when God or the Holy Spirit wants to do things in our lives, but it doesn't matter. Jesus will come in and the Holy Spirit will come in and change things and guide us through things, no matter whether we're ready or not. And that's always been the case. And Jesus died on that cross at Calvary when we were least ready, but gave us the grace and died for us nonetheless. And God demonstrates, the message says, God demonstrates his great, his own love here. He put, or he put his love on the line. He put his love on the line and he really sacrificed his own son. Even when we were of little or no use to him or his mission. But now, through Jesus, we are. Now, we're able to do that through the empowerment of the Spirit. So in summary, God, God loves us and we're justified in our faith in him and given a rightful, rightful place. It's, it's, everything's restored. But it's always meant to be in that place. But of course... Even within this joy, even within this glory that we see of God, there's pain and there's struggle. And it always will be in the world because it's unpredictable. We don't know where things are going often. But again, struggle creates perseverance, endurance, and creates character and virtue within ourselves. So we can be more like the servants that God needs us to be. And a character, this character in turn creates the great hope we have to continue and hope builds. We see hope build. As hope builds, it continues to build. And it rises. Hope rises. It rises to the surface. I've seen this many times. And while we are loved by God, saved by Jesus, and led and transformed by the Spirit, what can be wrong in this world? So the concept of the new year, what does it all really mean? Well, it means, basically means lots of different different things to different people and um, in our church in Brooklyn Park in Adelaide it probably means something completely different to people out there in the suburbs and probably you'd get many different answers if you ask people what it really means does it even mean anything to Christians really and disciples and followers of Jesus in this 21st century well there's even different calendars when we look you know we follow Gregorian calendar and then there's Julian calendar more ancient times and um, still used in some circles and even lunar calendars in Asian culture. And of course there's work calendars, computer calendars, which sometimes seem to have a mind of their own. So what does it all mean? In essence though, they're really just a physical reminder, a marker of time. But maybe they can be useful. Maybe the new year, maybe a time like this can be useful to think of it as a measuring tool to see change, to see the progress and see how things have developed over the last year, particularly as the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Now there's no doubt we don't want to downplay this at all because there's no doubt that it's difficult times we live in. On top of that we have the world outside that sees the church more and more that represents Jesus as really having let them down pretty badly. Even though they might not be involved with the church, they see the church as having let them down. Not necessarily Jesus, but the church. 
or just plain irrelevant and not necessary for them. And even hostility, even worse, that they see us as a dangerous threat to the ways of life, their freedom, and something to be scared of. So in many ways, we're, we're out there, we're mending fences with people, um, and we're providing, by, by showing God, of course, by being useful to God's mission, and providing mission in our very own communities now. But at the same time, we've got to recognise, not we struggle with this too sometimes, but people out there lack hope. And they lack the certain assurance of something better. And they, they lack opportunities or they don't see opportunities that are in front of them. And like us, they don't always see those doors that are open. So where do we go from here? Well, yes, there's, there's no doubt that um, it's been a tough year for many people. And so we don't want to play that down at all because it's been, it's been very tough. When we see the disasters, we see the droughts, we see the fires on our own doorstep here. We see, we all know somebody who's been through some of that suffering. So close to home, the people have been affected. It's been a tough year for many of us through other challenges as well, uh, through pain and suffering, but through endurance and perseverance, patience, hard work, maybe, just maybe, we can see some hope in all of that. Because of course there is always, always hope. There's always hope that, Hope, overwhelming and overflowing hope through God. There's always new opportunities, new doors and new possibilities coming our way. That's the concepts that Keller and Lewis and of course Paul have grasped here. I even heard people on the radio through some of this disaster saying, we'll start again, we'll rebuild, we'll persevere, we'll get there. And even some of those people were about to talk about faith and then they kind of got cut off by the radio because that's the kind of world we live in, unfortunately. But you could hear a sense of perseverance and hope in those people that had even probably lost everything recently. And I think that's amazing that somehow hope shines through, hope rises, hope builds on hope. I really um, like to get a bit of context, so... We'll go to the Church of Christ um, slide, if we can, Matt. Yeah. I, I really like to get a bit of context, and I, I like to see where we might be going, what it really means for us. And, and I like to get a bit of context about our movement, because Churches of Christ is a movement that goes back to the, as the disciples of Christ, and as the restoration movement, going back to the beginnings of the New Testament, and this early Christian life, like Paul's talking about. So what, what is a community of hope, compassion, love? Um, what's the CT, the, uh, the um, Churches of Christ Victoria in Tasmania really exists to cultivate this. I, I think I've spelled that wrong, but cultivates to, to really create this kind of change and hope um, in the community in which we live. Um, we're, we're a bit behind in South Australia in putting these statements together, but we're catching up. So we can just go to the next slide as the final one. And really, it's saying a movement of people gathering in and around the central figure of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, living out his ways in our neighbourhoods and inviting others to do the same. I don't know about you, I read those statements and it really gives me hope for Christians in the 21st century and really gives me hope for our movement. And at Brooklyn Park, of course, we're a, we're a community that is, seeks to be a spiritual family centred on Christ. 
and seeing things change through the Holy Spirit and transformation. And I find that hopeful too. I find that incredibly hopeful and inspiring. But this can only happen if we let the Spirit lead us through some, some new doors and start letting us take us through the challenges of our life and help us through those things that are difficult in our lives. Character can only happen and only develop if we let that happen. And faith can only become strengthened if we let that happen. And that, friends, that's the call to discipleship through life in the Spirit. So this year, this new year, can often be a time of reflection and resolutions for us. And making, so making a couple of suggestions, a couple of points. So making our resolution really focus on actively watching more for open doors and moving through them to new opportunities with God that God provides. It could be an important and crucial start to 2020, I believe. And of course, along the way, there will be doors that we need to close. There'll be pain. There'll be some things that we need to throw out. There'll be some things that the God just closes for us and come to a natural end. But they will be painful. It is part of life. But with hope, if we really focus on going through those doors with hope, then we might be able to find a much better resolution to the new year. And I'm saying that to myself as I speak out as well, loudly here. And being more expectant is another thing we can do. So we can hope in a way that's more expectant, showing a more deliberate and faith-assured and charged kind of hope that really, really focuses on believing that there will be a positive outcome. And that's what we do when we pray as well, believing that God will somehow, and it might not be the way we expect, but God will somehow come and the Spirit will help us through and change things and help us be not only better disciples, but better, better, um, better, better as, a, as a church as well. So the, the, really the questions for this week, I've got a couple of questions you might like to consider, and that's important. So what can we do in this new year to be hopeful in expectation, even as we persevere? And God provides opportunities for us this week. How will, how will you approach them? How will we approach them? So they're really questions. So God offers us and often represents opportunity and expectant kind of hope that we might expect in this new year. And that is hope that extends beyond today and beyond 2020 or even this decade, it might extend. So the question is, do we dare to go through those doors? And if we go through those doors, what awaits us on the other side? Well, we'll find out if we move through with the Spirit of God. Will you pray with me? Lord in heaven, you show us so many new things each day. So many new opportunities you put before us. Some that inspire us, doors that we just can't wait to go through to the other side. Others that are unknown, daunting, they might scare us. And some doors that close and we need to often painfully leave things behind. We pray that your Holy Spirit might continue to guide us and open our eyes to those opportunities, but also give faith the perseverance and the character we need and importantly the hope to endure and see your glory even when we do 
we do not feel ready even when we're not worthy. Just as Jesus showed us the way and came to save humanity and endure the cross long before any of us were ready for that to happen. Lord, guide us, give us strength, and we pray these things in your holy name. Amen.